Mac Power Users, Episode 273, Workflows with Jonathan Mann. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I survived, David. You survived your trip into the Grand Canyon? I survived my vacation, and that was no small feat. Yeah, it sounds kind of epic from the emails I've received from you. We'll have to talk about that at the live show or something. Now, your phone became your camera. Did the phone come back with you? It survived. It did not take a drink and did not disappear into the lake? It did not even get wet, no. Oh, good for you. All right. Well, I I don't want to waste any time because we have this guest here that I've been looking forward to talking to for so long. Welcome to the show, Jonathan Mann. Thanks. I'm excited to talk to you guys, too. Now, now people may know Jonathan. He's he's written um, podcast themes like uh, you did the ATP theme. Um, You've done. I want you to know I just sing along with the ATP theme (laughs) every time. Yes, I love it. (laughs) I like it when people say that. Yeah, it's it's good. Jonathan did, I I guess, was it called Song a Day that you were doing for how long were you doing that for? I'm I'm still doing it. And we're we're in uh, year when we're sort of in the midst of year seven. And um, it's like two thousand four hundred and I think ten songs today. Wow, that's crazy. Well, tell everybody (laughs) about that just a little bit. Yeah. How did you get started? Why did you decide I'm going to do this? Yeah, Song a Day started um, on January first, two thousand nine. Um, I sort of wish it had a better, better origin. It really just started with a, a flyer that I got from a friend for a thing called Fun a Day, uh, which still happens every January. Um, people are invited to make a piece of art for every day in that month, and um, I kind of didn't have a whole lot else going on at that point, and uh, so I was just like, okay, I'll start writing a song and I'll make a video for it and post them on YouTube. And I did that for a month and was having sort of such a good time doing that, that I decided to keep going. I sort of had my sight set on a year and at the end of the year, so much had sort of happened. And as a result of song a day, and I was just still having such a good time that, that I, that I kind of just have never stopped basically. It's it's great. And, and so much great stuff has come out of that. I mean, you did the song about the iPhone four that, got played at the Apple event. Yeah, that was, that's maybe, you know, that's one of the biggest things that, that, that has happened as a result of song a day. Maybe, you know, uh, one of the biggest things that happened professionally in my, in my career so far, um, having Steve jobs sort of acknowledge, acknowledge my existence, uh, you know, and, and play my song. And as, as I've sort of talked about online, like, and danced to it, he danced to the song, which was like, you know, which is huge. And that, that was better than the way Eddie Q danced, in my opinion. But, oh, yeah. I'm sure Steve yeah. was a much better dancer in general than, than, <laughs> than, than Eddie. But you've also done some other, like, the, there's a, a song you wrote. Uh, I don't know if this is a big popular song you did, but it's, I think you call it the autocorrect song, where when they first came out with the autocorrect feature in iOS 8, I believe it was, and you just pressed a button, you just kept pressing the, um, the auto word fill, you know, that it does. And then you wrote a song about it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it would be just a funny idea to just film my phone with me just like pressing the buttons that gives you suggestions for words and just press, 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 press and see the gibberish that comes out and then see if I could turn that into a song. Um, yeah, that one did that one did pretty well. My my iOS based songs tend to actually do pretty well. I think I think in no small part because of that 
you know, because of the Steve Jobs thing and, um, you know, obviously I have a lot, I have a pretty big tech following as it were. Well, that, that one with the autocorrect in the Sparks house, it's in the regular lineup, you know, sometimes ah. when we just want to have goofy videos to watch yeah. instead of like dogs skateboarding, we like to watch the autocorrect song. Oh, so. good to know. I like that. I <laughs> yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but when I, so when I was growing up, I was always a fan of the Sherman brothers. And then I don't know if you know who they were or not. They were this, these pair of brothers that got a job from Walt Disney back in, I believe the fifties when they first started working for him. And they were famous because they wrote like all the music for Mary Poppins, uh, mm. jungle book, like a lot of the Disney attractions. And they were famous because Walt would say, Hey, I need a song about birds that sing in, you know, the Tiki room. And he'd go to lunch and he'd come back and they'd have the song done and yeah. these are like songs that are kind of epic in a lot of ways they're timeless and i was thinking how talented do you have to be to do that and i thought that was like a once in a generation kind of talent and then <laughs> and then jonathan comes along and he does the same thing every day he's knocking these songs out and and you do it with apple technology so it seems like just a perfect fit we had to have you on the show to talk about how you're doing this yeah well i really appreciate that i love I, you know, I came up sort of in the beginning uh, worshiping Bob Dylan and coming from that school of songwriting, which is maybe, you know, the polar opposite of what you're talking about with the Sherman Brothers, right? It's like, I'm not writing for any particular uh, reason other than I'm I'm expressing what is in my heart. And that has obviously a big place and I still really believe in that. But I, as I learn more about songwriting, I also have come to really hugely respect um, the people like the Sherman Brothers, I think about Tin Pan Alley and the Brill Building, which are two other really famous instances of people who, for songwriting, it's a craft. It's a job that you go in the morning. You And what amazes me is sort of what you're talking about, which is you can you can approach songwriting as a job and, and someone tells you, you got to write a song about Mickey Mouse. And what c- can come out of that is the most beautiful, timeless, classic music. Um, and, and that to me, there's something really romantic about that. And I, and I, uh, you know, uh, I really respect that and like that a lot. Well, in the case of these two, it's the same thing. I mean, Robert Sherman was a frustrated poet. And so if you listen to the lyrics in oh, these, yeah. in these kids songs, um, they're not, um, they're not easy lyrics. I mean, the, the guy was really thinking, but anyway, I want to talk about you and the All stuff right, you've let's been do doing. It. So, so how you, you got into this, you're saying, I'm going to do a song a day. Um, I think maybe we should just start with talking about your setup. Sure. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I mean, I can just sort of look around me right now. I'm in my, in, I'm in my little studio in, in our condo. I live in Jersey city and I'll just sort of look around me and start, naming some of the things that I use. Uh, my computer is a 2010, my, my desktop computer is a 2010 Mac Pro with like, I don't know, 18 gigs of RAM or something and uh, like 12 terabytes of, of hard drive. I think it's like four, three terabyte hard drive, or yeah, terabyte hard drives. Um, so I have a lot of room, although I'm running out of room. I've had those for a number of years, so putting out a video and a song every day has sort of led me to start, you know, running out of room at this point. Now, um, now Katie, I know you're at, you're interested in backup solutions. Um, yes. W- what are you doing in terms it's of place? It's all back place. Yeah, so as, tw- as long Go as ahead. that's all on your local hard drive, that's, that's fine. That works, right? Yep. 
Yeah. So, so they, you know, I talked to the guys at Backblaze about it and they're like, well, you are kind of an edge case and, and you, you put a little bit of a strain on our whole thing, uh, uh, having that much data backed up, but, but yeah, it, it works and I've used it. Um, I've had stuff go down and, and I've been able to recover. I've also used their feature where I'm traveling and I need some file from my computer and just having them, you know, be able to go on there, find it and have them email it to me has been pretty amazing. That's all right. I make up for you because I've got like three family members that they've got less than 20 gigs backed up. So it all evens out. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what they said. They said like you're way over on this side of the bell curve, but there's enough people that <laughs> that make up for it. Right. Um, so what are you going to do when you, when you run out of space or when you, when you upgrade at some point and get the new, you know, trash can looking Mac pro that, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to start to have to hang, hanging drives off of it or getting a NAS or something like that. I'm definitely, you know, I, I, I live, I live with this sort of low level constant fear of my computer going away, uh, something happening to it. It's cause it's, you know, it's, it's, it's showing its wear a bit. It's not new and and the hard drives are also pretty old um i'm definitely gonna have to upgrade the hard drives at some point soon i was actually thinking about asking the backblaze people for advice because they are like the hard drive masters um so i don't know exactly what i'm gonna do probably when i up when if and when i do upgrade it'll probably actually be to to an imac more likely than the than the um than the trash can i just the 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 value proposition for me isn't quite there yet uh i don't think and and i think the imac is at a place where i i would have more than enough power to do you know sort of do what i need to do a lot as of far people as, are like, making that decision yeah it seems that way you know but then but then i'll have to make a whole separate decision about i, I like having all the drives be internal and i i don't know you know exactly what to do on, on that front yet but um I'm sort of still examining my options. Right. And if you're well, going to, if you want those external drives to be backed up by Backblaze, they're going to have to be direct connected, not, not with an as at this point. Uh, see, you know, like, that, like plugged in via USB or, or yeah. Thunderbolt or something like that. And I mean, yeah. you can do that. You can get, you can get direct connected NASs. Right. Well, my um, Backblaze account, I have a, a Drobo direct connect to my iMac. That's got, I think it's got about eight terabytes in it and they back it up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. See that, that would be, that would definitely be a good, good option. But you know, the trash can Mac pro is great. I think for graphics station, like if you're making, you know, the next avatar, but I mean, right. for, for music, I'm, I think you're probably are better off with the iMac and that great screen, you know, that, that, that retina screen. Why not? That's, that's what it feels like right now. I have two screens. I have like a, I don't know, probably a circa 2000 and right around probably 2010, 2011, um, cinema display, uh, I think it's a 27 inch and then like a 24 inch from, from earlier, maybe 2008 cinema display. And I have, those are my, my two displays that I'm looking at. Um, and so, you know, yeah, if I, if I upgrade to an iMac, can an iMac run another display? Is that a thing it can do? Can the new ones do that? They cannot run another 4k display. I, oh, okay. I don't know if they can even run a regular display, separate I, display. Yeah, that but, would be, that would be a hindrance for me, yeah. but I, I would, you know, I'd imagine these are going to get upgraded pretty soon too. It's been about a year now. So sit tight. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll tell you about the, I'll start sort of telling you about some of the audio gear that I have, but I, I always like to preface talking about audio gear with a little, with a little PSA, uh, uh, sit on my high horse, get on the soapbox for a minute and just say that it's, 
especially for people, this goes out, you know, especially to people who want to, who want to be recording, who are recording or starting to record musicians and, and people who want to be audio engineers and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's, it can be a pretty easy trap to fall into, uh, to sort of fetishize the kind of gear that you're going to use to record. Um, and I call it a trap because ultimately, especially when you're starting out, um, unless you are really wealthy and have some way of paying for it, the, 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 you're going to be better served by, um, sort of focusing on your skills as a musician or your skills as an engineer and honing those before you really commit to really expensive gear. Um, because, because here, here's the real fact of the matter, which is, um, a, an amazing musician recorded through a single $50 microphone is going to sound way better than a poor musician, a not very good musician through the most expensive, amazing gear that, that you've ever heard. So before I, you know, before I say about what kind of gear, just keep that in mind. That's, that's a, that's an important thing that I think about, about gear, especially uh, musicians gear in general. Like if anything, uh, really good gear just focuses how bad you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can hear all their imperfections. And also I feel sometimes it even can hinder you in terms of your creativity because suddenly if you have this amazing gear around you, you, you feel obligated to make only good, amazing things. And the fact is, is not everything you make is going to be good and amazing. So you, you need to leave yourself room to sort of flail around and, 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 and fail a bunch uh, with, with, some, with some gear that, you know, you, what's remarkable about the age that we live in is you can go on Amazon and buy a $100, uh, what's called like a, a large diaphragm condenser microphone, and, and it'll sound good. You know, it, it won't sound like a $50,000 large diaphragm condenser microphone, but, but that's, a, it'll still sound really good. It'll sound serviceable. Yeah. My uh, initial recording studio in 1978 was two Sears uh, tape recorders. There you go. And I'd play the piano and record one. Then I'd play back the recording and record myself with the <laughs> recorder. It was awesome. Yeah. 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 Those must've been the days. Yeah. You only got about two or three recordings before you lost the first one. Right. Um, so here's what I have. I have, uh, as far as microphones, I have two main microphones that I use. One is an AKG 414, which is like I mentioned, a, a large diaphragm condenser microphone. Um, don't necessarily ask me to explain what that means. Um, but an AKG 414 is, is, is sort of, you know, pretty much any studio you go into is going to have one. Often they'll have matched a matched pair, two of them. They're they're definitely a workhorse as far as as this type of microphone is concerned, um, and it's good for anything, and it, and it, and that's kind of why why it does what it does. It's good on vocals. It's good on acoustic instruments. Um, you can you can record a very wide array of of stuff with it. Um, the second microphone I have sort of doesn't have a name, and uh, in fact, the the guy who made it the name of the place is, is escaping me, but we can put it in the show notes. Um, he, there's this dude in LA who, who, if you send him one of these microphones that I was describing earlier, you'd go on Amazon 
and um, he tells you to buy this specific kind of just like $250 relatively cheap microphone, he will do these modifications to it that, uh, some slight modifications that will make it end up sounding better. Um, and you end up paying about $700 total at the end, but wow. you have, you have a microphone that sounds way more expensive than that. That just has like a really great sound to it. Um, so it's a pretty great, it's a pretty great proposition. Uh, and I'm really happy with the work that he did and, and this microphone. Um, it's, it's definitely more of a sort of a vocal kind of microphone. Um, and, but it also is good on, on instruments. Uh, but, um, I would say the, the thing that it's closest to, uh, is, is this Neumann microphone. I'm forgetting the number, like 103 or something like that. Um, it sort of looks like one of those and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. We have mm-hmm. to get that into the show notes cause I'm sure some people are going to be interested in checking that out. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please do. I'll, I'll email you the thing I should have looked it up before. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes and it's definitely worth a look for sure. Um, so I have, um, my audio interface is just this thing called the Scarlet USB 212 thing it's just basically it plugs into my computer via usb and uh it has two microphone inputs and a couple of um quarter inch inputs for plugging in electric guitar or something like that and yeah that's just how i get that's my digital to analog converter and everything um you know that's one place where some people put a lot of stock in you know getting that that part of your signal chain to be super pristine. I tend to sort of just be like, eh, whatever with it, but um it served me well. Maybe one of these days I might I might upgrade it. Um but it's a it's a good little it's a good little device. To me, there's so many that you can choose from <clears throat> in terms of these kind of interfaces. So, you know, typically what I do is I just go online and just read a ton of reviews and and see what everyone's saying about the current crop and find one that sort of fits my needs. Now, listening to you, I've always tried to... Oh, go ahead, Katie. I was going to say, and so, you know, typically, I I know for most of your songs, it's generally you singing and then maybe a guitar and then maybe some some keyboards. I mean, how many of these instruments are you actually playing versus some of them being software instrument packages? Yeah, that's a good question. So I record on uh, Logic these days. Um... And I actually wrote a piece recently uh, in iMore about about my switch to Logic. Part of it came from uh, Jim Dalrymple, his his uh, sort of recommendation of it, and specifically this feature called Drummer, which which we can talk about at some point. But uh, to answer your question, um, you it really depends on the song. Uh, but if it's if it's bass or guitar or banjo. Um, or ukulele, or singing, it is it is all it is a real instrument, quote unquote. Uh, if it is anything else, typically it is software. Um, yeah. So that includes obviously synths, but you know, piano. Although I do have a piano now, but I haven't um gotten around to figuring out exactly what my what my workflow is going to be recording it, um, because it's way in the other room. But uh, yeah, piano or things like steel drums, I often like to put in, into songs and drums themselves. Uh, 
um yeah so a whole a whole host of other kinds of musicians any kind of stringed any kind of bowed stringed instrument that's all that's all software now is that midi instruments or like loops or both maybe I don't both know. yeah some of it is samples um logic is really is really great it's it's it, it's pretty versatile in terms of what you can do they have a lot of really great loops that you can use um and abuse as it were sort of just like take and chop up and do things to um pitch shift them or time stretch them uh or just cut them up and use them in weird ways um and it also just has a lot of really great um yeah a lot of really great midi instruments uh different kinds of synthesizers and things um so yeah i've been i've been pretty excited about my switch to logic um before this, I was using a program called Reason, uh, which is by a Swedish company called Propeller Heads, and um, I always wish that I had a, had a good joke to go with the the fact that it's Reason and Logic are the two uh, <laughs> ones that, that that I've used uh, in in recent times, but um, I don't. So, uh, but Reason is is similar to 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 anything else to Logic. Uh, it's a little bit more focused, I would say on it it started out as just a sort of like software synthesizer uh program and only in 2011 or 2012 did they add the ability to record sounds into it um it it too is an amazingly great program um uh i I sort of just felt like i needed to switch the other thing that logic has uh in abundance is a, a sort of a workflow that allows you to rely heavily on really good sounding presets, um, which I find extremely helpful, uh, especially recording every day. So what I mean by that is, um, say I'm recording uh, guitar, right? Uh, Acoustic guitar. There are, you know, if I'm recording that into a channel, um, there are settings that I can just click, 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 choose in Logic that will you know, throw in EQ, compression, reverb, uh, and throw in just the right kind of thing for the right kind of instrument. Um, and these presets with a little bit of tweaking, uh, depending on, on your instrument, end up sounding really, really good, uh, to my ears anyway. And so... I think that's like a a big benefit of Logic, which is you know, and I guess maybe in this sort of traditional Apple sense, they 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 try to make things a little bit easier for you if you're not like uh, an amazing recording engineer, which I am I am not by any means. Um, they try to cut some of those corners for you and make things sound good with the sort of the least effort uh, necessary. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about your setup and specifically about Logic, because we haven't had a guest on who's talked about Logic such in-depth for a while. But uh, before we do, you actually have quite a treat for us. Um, I want to take a quick (laughs) break, um, but I want to have you talk about our next sponsor, Fracture, uh, because you have prepared for all of our sponsors in this episode. And and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show. Uh, You've prepared little jingles for all of our sponsors. Um, So uh, let's let's take a listen to your to your first uh, jingle for Fracture. Back in the day, photographs lived in frames or in a box in the attic under a pile of board games or they lived in albums stuck right in there with glue. 
the number of pictures that you had totaled 352. But today we take that many in a single week, and they live in our devices. Ubiquitous but not unique. It's time to free your photographs. So that is just awesome. Uh, you can find more information about Fracture uh, if you head over to FractureMe.com. Uh, and if you use the promo code MAC15, that's all capital letters, mac one five, uh, you can save 15% on your first order, and that will let them know uh, that we sent you over there. Uh, I love Fracture. I'm very excited about them. Uh, I hope they loved your your little jingle, and uh, I know I'm going to be ordering a couple of new ones. Uh, I've already got them picked out with my vacation. So uh, thanks so much for Fracture for their support of the show. Cool. And, you, and just so everybody knows, I, I've been sick the last week, so I've been a bad podcaster. I didn't get that list of Jonathan until like a couple days before we recorded. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Jonathan, by no, the way. No, that's okay. I, I like a challenge. But, you know, he just, it's amazing to me. Sherman Brothers. Anyway, Katie, you had some questions. Yeah. So I was just, I was just curious, um, and, and we can keep talking about logic a little more if you want, but, uh, you know, has, you know, your, your setup seems a little, you know, fairly complicated. How has your setup changed? I mean, when you just said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do songs every day for a month, I, I would imagine it wasn't anywhere near this complicated. I mean, um, I, I'm assuming you've gotten more complicated as as things have have gone on. I mean, if somebody just wanted to get started with this process, can mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about how this this pro how how your setup has evolved? Because my guess is you didn't have all of this starting on day one, or or maybe you did because because of of work that you did previously. But um, tell us a little bit about how it's evolved, maybe. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So so. Um just real quick to take you way back. Like I started writing songs when I was 12. Um, and you know, the first thing I ever recorded on was like a little Tascam cassette tape recorder that my guitar teacher left with me, a little four track thing. Um, but I didn't really get into it until I was in college. Uh, and I started learning how to record on the computer. Um, uh, cause they had a pretty great recording program where I went at Bennington college in Vermont. And, um, so I started on a program called digital performer, which was what our teacher used. Um, and you know, the, basically I started with, and this is really all you, this is, you know, if you want to record on your computer, this is really all you need, which is just like an interface and a microphone, um, which you can get, you can, you can do the whole package for about $150 nowadays online. Um, again, it's not going to be like the best thing in the world, but it's definitely going to be something that you'll be able to make something that sounds good, assuming you, you know, you've practiced and you've got sort of, you've got down what you want to do. Um, so basically for a long time, um, since about, since I started recording, maybe 2001, 2002, it's just been some variation of that, some variation of, uh, 
an interface and some microphones, one or two microphones, depending on, on, you know, what was broken or, or what I had invested in at any given time. Um, I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, when I started song a day, I was working off of reason reason at that time, like I mentioned, couldn't record. So I was doing garage band in conjunction with reason prior to that. I had been working in, uh, solely in pro tools, which, up until recently was very much the industry standard logic is starting to usurp some of that, some of that, uh, some of that dominance. Um, if you go into studios nowadays, you are not, you know, it's not guaranteed that you'll see pro tools, although I'd say 80% still, but, um, it's definitely creeping up. Um, and I had made the switch from pro tools to GarageBand and reason, uh, simply because, it, the workflow is actually just quicker. It's quicker to just get in and out of GarageBand and, and Reason at that time than it was uh, with Pro Tools. And I would say it's actually even quicker nowadays for me just to be right in Logic uh, and, and do things. Um, so, yeah, an interface and microphones is pretty much the all you need. Maybe um, if you want to be doing some... Uh, playing of the of the different instruments in the program, you can get a uh, like a USB keyboard, uh, MIDI keyboard for you know you can buy a, a variety of sizes and things. Mine is a M Audio Key Studio, it's called, and I guess it's I think it's forty nine keys, and I think it's another like hundred and fifty bucks or something like that. And and the one the ones that I like are super no frills, so it's just like all you've got is a keyboard. You've got like the pitch bend thing. You've got um, like a another sort of mod uh, modulator wheel, and that's pretty much it. Those are the only buttons that are on it. You can get keyboards that have a lot of more fiddly knobs and and different faders and things for controlling stuff in the software. But I've never been I've never been particularly interested in that. Um, so, right. so I'm going to interrupt there as the keyboard sure. player. I am. Um, I, I did the same thing. I had a, just a, a plain controller for years. I think it was a Fatar. And the big thing for me, having grown up a piano player, was I wanted something that that played like a piano. Yeah, when, with weighted keys. Yeah, when you get those uh, MIDI controllers, some of them are just a one and a zero. It's an on and a, or an off, which is right. okay. But if you want to play with velocity, like some notes louder and some notes softer, you needed something that has a velocity component to it in MIDI. Yep. I ended up buying a Yamaha and I think I paid about $800 for it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a weighted keyboard and it has built in sound so I can play it as a piano too, cool. but it has MIDI too. So if you're, if you're a piano player, I would recommend maybe stepping up a little bit and the, and the Yamaha ones, I really like their sounds. So. Yeah, definitely. And you can get, you can, you know, there's an in between too, right? You can get ones that have weighted keys and super sensitive velocity, velocity and stuff like that. I think probably for like 300 bucks or something like that. So there's definitely, there's definitely like a, a wide range and there's, there's pro- hopefully I think there's something for everybody. Um, the only other uh, piece of hardware that I think is really important to my setup. And this is something that I bought in 2012. Um, so, you know, in your, in your signal chain, the chain that goes from, you know, whatever instrument you're playing or singing into your microphone, into the interface, and into the computer, there's typically at least one other uh, piece of gear that goes in that chain, and that's a preamp. Um, and the preamp just basically 
raises up the vo- the the amplitude of the thing that you're putting into the computer so you have sort of more to work with essentially um and the one that I went with back in the day that I've been I've been really happy with is um let's see I guess it's called a a, a, a universal audio solo 810 I guess it's called I don't know exactly how they label it uh, online but it is a sort of single channel, so it's just one. I can only put one microphone in it at a time, uh, and it's it's a tube amp. Um, and there's this difference between, and I'm and again, I'm not the person to ask about explaining this <laughs> in any kind of in depth way. Uh, so anyone out there listening, please forgive me uh, for for probably screwing this up. But essentially, there's tube amps, right, and there's solid state. And tube amps are coveted for their warmer, richer sounds. Um, and solid state amps are typically more rugged and things like that. Um, and tube amps, they literally like have like vacuum tubes in them. Like they have these little tubes that I guess if you look at like really old computers or whatever, like that's what they used. To, that's part of what they used to be made out of. Right big big yep. big old vacuum tube so yep. it's the same kind of technology um i'm really happy with this one i can't exact i can't remember it was a while ago how much it cost but that's the only other really important physical uh piece of hardware that i have um beyond uh getting into the software well yeah. now now let's talk about the software for a minute though because i think that um there's two questions in my mind and i'm sure our listeners as well at what point uh, first of all, how did you learn Logic? And second, at what point do you decide between GarageBand and Logic? Because, you know, talking about, you know, starting out on a budget and just kind of getting going, can can GarageBand be enough? Definitely. I, and and here's here's the point uh, that 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 I would that I would switch is. And to be honest, I haven't used GarageBand uh, since, I guess, probably 2011. So I so I don't know what state it's in at this point. I understand uh, just from sort of looking at stuff that it, it does actually does have a lot of similar features as, as logic these days, including that drummer thing that I mentioned earlier. Um, but, but here's what I would say. And this, this goes for, um, uh, for video as well. Although these days I, I, again, don't really know exactly what the state of iMovie is, but that's a whole other can of worms that, that I do. But um, basically you should you should definitely start out on GarageBand, uh, especially given the the price difference there. Um, and the point that you switch is when there are things you want to do. When you reach a point where there's like, man, I really wish that I could X, or I really wish that GarageBand had X. When you start rubbing up against that, that is the moment that you that you switch. Um, the example that I always think of and that I always give is I started out learning how to edit video, just like a lot of people on iMovie. Um, back when iMovie worked more like most other uh, video editing software, which, which I don't Back think when it, it had a anymore. timeline and everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and, and the point at which I switched from uh, iMovie to Final Cut was I really want to do green screen. I want to be able to do like keying out different colors and you know make the make the background be whatever i want to make make it and iMovie at that time didn't have that 
capability. I don't know if it does now. Um, but at that time it didn't. And so it was like, all right, well, I guess I have to switch to Final Cut. And um, I think those are the best moments to switch because you are invested at that point. You know for a fact that you're committed and you're going to do this and you have a very clear vision of where you want to go with it. I think that's really important when purchasing, you know, when making these big sort of software purchases because you don't want to, you don't want to drop $300 on logic and just have it sit there and, 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 and you're not really using it. And I think, um, starting on, on GarageBand and you can do, you can, and people do amazing things with GarageBand. Um, so it's, it's a perfectly great way to, to go. You know, a couple of things stood out to me. One is that I remember when logic was like, fifteen hundred dollars or something yeah. to get into it so yep. three it's so much easier to get into it now definitely but um the second thing is um in an age when like all the other apple pro apps i mean uh, aperture has been abandoned uh final cut clearly is not aimed at the high-end uh nope. movie production houses anymore but you know you're talking like logic kind of still is in the game for high-end uh, audio production not only that logic is i, I would say logic is gaining ground and it, as far as being a go-to in the pro, in the pro space, I would say logic is definitely gaining ground. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty heavily invested in it now. I, I, I really, really like it. And, um, I really hope that nothing happens to it. You know, I, um, it certainly doesn't seem like anything is going to, and they, they seem to be investing pretty heavily and, um, in this piece that I wrote for iMore, I actually find that I, I anticipate now, you know, announcements about logic in, with the same sort of fervor that, uh, you know, I previously would only give to, you know, back in the day, like new hardware or, you know, more recently, like a new iPhone or whatever. Um, now I, I sit there, you know, and I'm just like, okay, what's, what's coming in the new logic? Like, what are the new features? Like, what, what are they going to introduce? And I get really excited about that. And, uh, I really hope that they keep on that trajectory. So when you decided to, to jump in with logic, how did you teach yourself? That's a great question. Um, you know, when you, it's a little unfair because when, when you have been doing this sort of as long as I have, which I guess now is like 12 or 13 years, um, there's a there's a sort of just basic way that all they're called DAWs, digital audio workstation. Um, if it's Pro Tools or or GarageBand or whatever, they all basically work the same way. There's a there there are certain elements that carry over. So I sort of dove into Logic. Um, the beginning of learning a program like this is is always 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 frustrating. But, uh, and I definitely had some of those moments where I was like, why are you not just doing the thing that I want you to do? Like I couldn't figure out a, some specific thing. Um, but to be honest, song a day as a tool for learning software is pretty great because if I just throw myself into a new piece of software and force myself to use it every day, uh, you know, it's learn, learn or, or die basically. So, um, so just through, through using it and using it, um, it's, 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 it's just, that's basically how I learned is I have, I think the best way for me anyway, the best way to learn any kind of software is to have a project in mind that you are going to do on it. 
um, that's that's pretty much been always the way that I learn new software. That's so often the case. I mean, if you have if you have a goal, then you'll learn something. Whereas yeah. you say, "I'm just going to learn this in the abstract." No, you're not. You're yeah, it's that. hard that way. Just it's it's a lot harder. And I'm not one of the people. I always wish I could be the kind of person that could like read a tutorial or like you know read a book about how to use something and then, but it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, I want to talk a little bit more about your your video workflows because we've talked a lot about audio, but video is a big component of this too. But you know, I think it might be time for another jingle before we do. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's let's listen to you tell us a little bit about Tunnel Bear first. We live in an age when privacy is hard to find. Anytime you're online, you don't know who might be spying. You need a buffer between you and the threat. Some kind of protector when you're on the net. Ask a lion or tiger, neither would care. Cats are indifferent. What you need to bear Tunnel bear Make it so Facebook can't track your every move Make it so your browser thinks you're in Timbuktu Uh, so Tunnel Bear is a really simple app to let you browse privately to get around blocked websites. I use this all the time while I was on vacation last week. I uh, felt a whole lot better about it. And so you can find out more information uh, by going to tunnelbear.com slash MPU. That'll let them know uh, that we sent you. Uh, and thanks, Tunnel Bear, uh, for your support of Mac Power users. Um, so the question I had first off about video is how did video come into it? Was, was video always, always a part of, of song a day? Did you always know that you were going to do these videos with it or was that kind of an after thing? Um, so it's, it's, that's a, there's a sort of muddled answer for that, which is, um, basically I started doing video online video pretty early as far as online video goes, like 2006, like YouTube launched in 2005. Um, and I started making online videos under the moniker Game Jew, um, which was a show that I had online where basically I wore these red overalls uh, without a shirt. That was the that was the thing that sort of uh, made me different from Mario. Mario wears a shirt. Game Jew does not wear a shirt um, with his red overalls. And I basically just went around singing songs about video games, interviewing people about video games, talking about video games. Uh, and that was, that was basically a thing. The biggest thing that GameJu did was, um, uh, sang to Shigeru Miyamoto, who is like the creator of Mario and Zelda and Donkey Kong. Uh, I tracked him down and sang him this song that I had written for him. Um, and that, that went sort of old internet viral, uh, back wow. in 2007. Um, so. That must have been thrilling for you. How did he like it? He he seemed to really like it. He sort of bopped along a little bit, uh, and yeah, people can find that video online. Um, it was it was great. It was an amazing experience. I'm such a a huge fan of his, and um, it was really great to be able to to be able to share some of my enthusiasm with him. Um, 
you know, he doesn't, he doesn't speak, he doesn't talk a lot because he's, uh, at least what I've read about, he's embarrassed by his, his, uh, his accent. Um, but he definitely was like smiling and bopping along and got to shake his hand. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. I got to tell you though, in, in, in this video where you're singing to him, you are wearing a shirt. That's true. You know, they may, I was at the GDC, I was at the game developers conference and they forced me to wear, put on a shirt to be at the game developers conference, which, okay. which often happened. Like I would get invited to some, uh, event like that. And, and they were like, yeah, you, you have to put on a shirt. No um, socks, yeah. no shirt, no service. Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll so, put a link to that in the show notes as well. Cool. So, so the, uh, the long, you know, so that's a long answer. Um, so I had been doing video for a while. That was 2006 that I started doing that. 2009, I started, uh, doing, uh, song a day. Um, the first few song a day songs, uh, song songs one through four do not have videos for them. Uh, and then I made a video for number five and six and then like seven, I didn't. And then like from eight on it's been video ever since um and i don't really have a particularly good explanation as to why so to answer your question i I think i think in the very beginning i didn't have the intention to do video every day um it was only when i sort of realized you know people will listen to us are way more likely to listen to a song if there's an associated video uh and that is just sort of a truism of the internet um and so I sort of went, tried to go where the audience is, basically. Um, I, had the, I had the ability to shoot video. Um, and, you know, just as with songwriting, uh, I've gotten a lot better over the last, like, seven years of doing, of making something every day, um, both from a songwriting standpoint, but also in, in my video editing skills. I, it's, been, it's been actually fun to, like, look back and be like, oh, wow, like, I, I've gotten a lot better at that. So how does that work? Does, does this, do you do the song first and record the song and then, and then do the video or do sometimes do you have an idea for a video and then that, that creates the song? Yeah. So, so in terms of that, like it, it sort of comes in all permutations. I would say, I would say any, you know, after 2,400 plus songs, like any, any, uh, order of things that you can imagine, like song first video, like video idea first, like what, you know, what would make it for a good video or even think, you know, even when talking about songwriting, like writing the melody first, writing the music first, writing the lyrics first, like I've done it all, you know, and it really just depends. Um, but I can walk you through a few pretty typical, um, uh, different workflows that I have for, for like exactly how song a day works maybe. And and that, yeah, that'd be great. Because there are, there are, you know, there are sort of standbys. There are like old standbys that I sort of patterns that I rely on and fall back on. Um, so one really, really standard uh, song a day workflow that I've been doing pretty much since the beginning is to write the song. Um, and, you know, ideas for songs for me. Um, you know, it's interesting. This is actually changing. So I have sort of an answer as to people say, where do you get your ideas? And I have one answer for that, uh, that I've been saying pretty much since the beginning of song a day. Um, but there's sort of another answer that's been formulating in my mind because it's, it's changing a little bit, um, where I get my ideas. So the old answer essentially, and I still think this stands to a certain extent is everywhere. Um, 
I tend to break down uh I if if you look over all of Song a Day, they tend to fall into three categories. Topical, which can mean everything from a song about an animal to a song about Steve Jobs to a song about a video game to a song about politics. Anything that is about a topic I, I call topical in this instance. Um, yeah, I think I think with the political cycle right now, you're going to get a lot of topics. Yep. Anytime there's an election, it's really helpful um, in terms of that. In terms of that. Uh, the second category is personal. Um, so these are songs that either come from from my life in a in a sort of literal way or if they come from my life in a sort of more emotional way. Um, and then the third category is abstract. Um, and that is a category which is sort of a fallback category. Like if you have no other ideas, um, there is no shame in sitting down and putting a bunch of words out and singing those words. And do they make sense? Maybe not. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But that's okay. Um, if you don't have any ideas, idea ideas specifically, um, you know, writing something that's just more abstract can be a way to, you know, flex your creativity without actually to have like a specific idea. And those those tend to either be amazing or, you know, or not so amazing. Um, and you sort of never know what you're going to get when you dip into that really sort of just like stream of consciousness well um lately the way that this has been changing is that i've been really focused on every day i want to actually write a song about something and and i've been trying to sort of rely less and less on this abstract place and i and i think that and this is something that's been changing, but I think that if you do that, if you write, if you sit down and you and you really dig and try to find like a specific thing to write about, I think that the overall quality um, will go up. You're you're more likely, I think, to make something on the good side of of the quality spectrum if you start from a place of really specific intention. Um, so that's just been something that I've been noticing lately. Um, so whether, so lately, like I just, it comes to, a lot of times it's like comes from con- conversations with friends. So like this in the last two weeks alone, like I've had two friends that are going through breakups. So I'll have like long, really heartfelt conversations with them about exactly what they're going through. And then, you know, that'll be my song for a day. I'll, I'll sort of channel some of that heartbreak and whatever they're going through into a song. Um, and my approach when doing that, you know, a, a song about a breakup is is not the most original thing. But to me, I think the way that you can make that work is, you know, pepper it with the really specific details. Right. So like my friend, there was a detail where um, her best friend had like just moved away and her like therapist was out of town. And like then she went through this breakup and it's like. Those are really great details to put into a song. Um, and I always think, like, the more details, the better. Um, and there's a good way to sort of avoid cliches. Uh, a friend of mine, um, they have a pit bull who's gotten really violent lately, and they're having to, to deal with putting the dog down. And they're really broken up about it, and they really don't want to do it. 
Um, but it's like become a serious, serious safety issue. Um, so I wrote a song about that. Um, and like you said, this time of year is great for finding things to write about today. I saw a Boing Boing article uh, about how Rick Santorum's, um, not to get political, I know it's 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 sort of a bad idea necessarily to get political on, on a tech show. However, Rick Santorum's uh, support after the last debate has has literally gone down to zero. He now has zero percent of of the vote. Um, so I just made a song called Nobody Loves Rick Santorum. Um, and, you know, there'll be many more songs of that nature. Uh, to come um so so when you get a um but so when you get an idea for a song um what do you do next i mean you've got the idea the mm-hmm. dog rick santorum whatever do you just start banging out chords i mean because if you listen to your music you really play in a variety of different styles and genres yeah i try to um typically typically and again it comes from all different angles but typically if i'm starting with an idea I'll start with a line. Like I'll just try to find some line that that you know that hooks me in. And once I set that line to music, um and again, this could be maybe I'm sitting with the guitar and I'm playing some chords and finding a way to sing that line that kind of works or I'm standing at my my desk with logic open and I've got, you know, a, an electric keyboard patch open and I'm banging away on some chords and I'm finding a way to do the same thing to sort of make the line fit in the music. Um, that's, that's almost always, I would say where I start when I start with a specific idea. Um, that's, re- that's really interesting to me. I, I was just listening recently to an interview of John Williams and he was talking about for him, the hardest part of of scoring a, a movie is finding the theme, you know, the six or seven yeah. note theme. Just once you get the theme, he said, everything just falls into place. Sounds like you kind of do the same thing. It is very similar. I mean, once you sort of find your way in and often, you know, for me, like, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it can come in a lot of different forms. Sometimes it's like, it does feel like you're just sort of following where the song wants to go. And you, if you, you get your hooks in it and then it just sort of unfolds before you. But other times it can be the exact opposite and you really have to like struggle and fight the song and, and, and like, you know, you really have to figure out a way to make it work. And it's a lot more in your head than, than anywhere else. But you know, for me, it really usually does start with that that line, and and uh, once I'm down that path, uh, I just sort of follow it and see sort of see where it goes. So once you've got the the song done, you record the song first and then dub it to the video. So you know, yeah. So so here we go. So one really typical way that I have of doing song a day is. Uh, if I have no, if I, if I have absolutely no time in the day and I, you know, uh, I need to run errands or pick up my son and, you know, feed him dinner or whatever else, like, like I have no time in the day. Basically my workflow is write the song on the guitar, set up my iPhone. So it's facing me and it's filming me, uh, have my laptop open with some lyrics. I have the phone sort of nudged you know, in the, in the screen part of the laptop. So it's, so it's like pointing up at me 
uh, and I sing the song into the phone and I upload the video directly to YouTube from my phone. That is like, that is the, the lowest, uh, comp, you know, the, the least amount of effort in terms of getting the song out that, that I do. Um, I'd say a step up from that is I will write the song, uh, uh, typically on, on in this instance on guitar also I'll go into my studio I'll set my microphones up so one is capturing my voice and one is capturing the guitar um, I'll set up my nice camera which is a um, a Panasonic GH4 um, I've had the Panasonic GH2 GH3 and now I have the GH4 I highly recommend them. They're like a, you know, micro three, three quarter camera. I don't totally know what that means, but I think that's what they're called. And, um, it's really great. Uh, basically I just have a friend who's a, like a, a camera geek. And a long time ago I asked him, you know, what's the camera I should get? And he was like a Panasonic GH2. And I have not been disappointed since. Uh, and, and so, uh, back to the workflow. I have my mic set up. I I uh, I put the camera on me. These days, actually, what I'm doing is I'm like sitting right at my computer desk. I have the the microphone set up. I'm I'm actually like using the 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 light from the screens as my lighting. I've actually okay. found <laughs> I've actually found that if you put like a big if you just open up a text document and leave it all white on both of on both of these screens that are facing me. Uh, it has a really nice, it actually has a really nice soft white thing going on. So I have what are called soft boxes, big uh, lights behind uh, like white curtain material. Um, but I rarely use them these days because it's just easier to use in this instance to like use uh, the screens for my light. So anyway, got the got the camera set up, hit record on the camera hit record on logic, um, play my song, maybe do a few takes, um, depending, and then, uh, export the song, uh, out of logic. So I just have, uh, a single file. That's, that's the, you know, my, my guitar and vocals and I'm singing. Um, what's the format when you export it? Uh, AIF usually is what I use. Although, you know, people use wave and I, and I don't think there's a, a big difference between the two. Um, uh yeah, I should say, you know, I do a bit of mixing on the on the tracks uh and you know, mixing guitar and vocals while being, you know, one of the more standard simple things that one can do when they're recording. It's a it's it's challenging. It can be really challenging um to to get it to sound good. Um but again, one of the pow- one of the super strengths of Logic is that there's a lot of like presets in there that you can really rely heavily on. Um Typically, now, yeah. Now, let me interrupt there. Now, with a lot of the music you do has like backup vocals or, you know, yep. uh, stuff going on. Is like in, even some of the ad reads we're playing on the show has that. Yep. Um, is that. That's all you? That's all me. All the backup vocals are me. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He has, so. a, he has a quartet. It's him and him and him and him. And me and me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, singing the backup vocals, sing way up here, you know, and then just sort of change your voice and slight ways and and suddenly you have you have a backup backup choir um so anyway yeah i export that i bring it into premiere adobe premiere which is the app that i use these days 
I plug in my SD card from straight from my camera uh, into like a little SD card reader into into the Mac Pro, in bringing the footage, line up you know the footage with the sound you know the sound from the footage with the with the recording. Um, once I've done that, delete the uh the the sound from the camera so all that i'm left with is the the recording sound the nice sounding recording export that and that is my song for the day so that's like above above the iphone workflow that's like the next most complicated workflow um now step up from that is what i did for these jingles um so that involves um Sometimes I'll start just writing the song uh, outside of of Logic. I'll sit down on my guitar and, and write the whole song um, just just with the guitar and vocals. Um, that that's definitely something that I do. Uh, taking these jingles that I did for you guys uh, as an example, though, basically I did it. I did all of the writing in Logic as I went, um, and so uh, yeah. Um, a lot of times when I'm starting when I'm starting in logic um I'll try to I'll try to sort of just get it everything will just sort of come together all at once kind of so I'll try to find like a drum beat that I like or I'll try to find like a specific synth sound that is interesting to me these days I've been getting really into I don't know if I used any in these particular songs but I'm getting into like using samples so I'll go online and like try to find an interesting sample to like spark my spark my creativity. Um but like yeah, so like with these songs I, I start with maybe a drum sound that that sort of spurs something and then I'll find you know, and then I'll but maybe at the same time that I'm looking for the drum sound, I have like a specific line in mind that that is uh you know, that is sort of capturing my imagination. So like Tunnel Bear, for instance, I'm going to look at the lyrics here, like, we live in an age when privacy is hard to find. So, yeah, I think I had that. Uh, we live in an age when privacy is hard to find, right? So, like, I just sort of, that line was just sort of coming in right sort of as I was looking for a specific drum beat. So, I find the drum beat that sort of fits it and that I like. And from there, it's really just about, it's like about constructing if you're working in Logic or you're working in any DAW, it's like about just sort of constructing the song, figuring out what instrument goes where, when does the bass come in. It's basically it's basically production. It's producing the song. Um, you know, where should the guitars come in? Um, you know, in that song and that in the in the Tunnel Bear song that we heard at the last break, like it has this sort of middle section that gets sort of really rock heavy and it has these guitars that come in that are crunchy and rock sounding. Um, and all of that is just sort of dictated by like by on the one hand, my knowledge over years of using the program of like what's available. Um, and oftentimes the more, you know, about like what you can do in a program, the more sort of hindered you are almost because um, you will you will tend to fall into the same patterns. Whereas when I was first learning Logic, it was like a whole new thing. I didn't know what was available. So, oh man, let's try this and try this and try that. And as you go, 
you sort of find certain things that that you like and that you sort of rely on and you find a you know you try to use them in in fun and interesting ways but really it's just about following your ear and and seeing oh well i you know um i don't really like how just sort of samey this this part just sounds too samey samey it needs something to like to break it up so why don't we have like the drums drop out here for like a measure and it'll you know when they come back in it'll have like a good it'll have a good lift to it um, and and, all, and yeah. all that's happening in your mind as you're sitting in your studio just plugging away through the stuff yeah it's all sort of yeah. it just it all sort of happens all at once um now, i don't know if this this next one we're going to play in a minute here is the text expander one and to me i thought it was genius because text expander saves you so much time but you've got this really mellow tempo to it and i don't know i, I thought it was really smart maybe you know it's happenstance, but I thought it was really great. Let's listen to the next ad spot from our friends over at Smile about Text Expander. Every second rushing past, hands on keyboard, typing fast. All these phrases, often basic information, you type all the time. Typing the same thing over and over That's time you could be spending with your family You can type smarter, reclaim lost time Give your hands a rest with text expander From a single line to paragraphs of boilerplate it's all at your fingertips Type it over and over A suggestion will be made It's all at your fingertips Now, how long did it take you? Well, I guess we should say before we go, um, head over to smilesoftware.com to check out uh, Text Expander and all the great applications that Smile makes. But, but Jonathan, how long did it take you to kind of figure out the feel for that song? Good question. So, so you know, um, with this song, it was the first one that I did out of these out of these ad spots, um, and it was eight thirty in the morning. Um, on we're recording this on Monday, and it was eight thirty in the morning on Sunday when I recorded it. And um, being the first one, I was the most fresh, and so it sort of came the most the quickest as the day goes on. Uh, and I and I'm writing more than one song in the day. Each song subsequently takes me longer and longer because my brain is is being depleted as it goes of of its sort of creative energy. Um, so this one literally took me an hour to make. Um, uh, and so I remember because we had the nanny coming and my wife and I were going on a brunch date. So I had to like finish it before 10. Uh, and so it was like I was really getting into it right at nine and then. And then uh, I was ready to go. Um, you know, what's interesting about this one is like, well, as I was talking, I'm getting more into samples. And I did end up using some samples for this. I used some samples that are just right in logic. They have, I, I, I thought about exactly what you're saying, which is Texas Fender literally is all about saving you time. Um, and I thought about, you know, the idea that these, these little seconds that you're wasting every time you have to type the same thing over and over, which is a thing that we all deal with. Um, and so that time thing just got me on the idea of looking for clock samples, ticking. Um, and so I found two ticking samples, 
and they and and put together they had this um really great uh six eight feel uh and so that the finding those samples and and feeling that feel is what dictated the tempo and what dictated the the swing it has sort of a feel to it It has like a swing thing going on um it was the samples that really dictated that uh and yeah and and so and that's that's how that's sort of how that came came about so so jonathan you're doing a song a day and you clearly i mean you, you are super talented and and humble as well but Thanks. i mean Thanks. to be able to like do that in an hour is is kind of remarkable but but at the same time you've got a family and you're trying to make a living and this turns into a business for you and yes. and how did how did that go about happening well so it's been it's been a sort of a long uh a long road of of trying a lot of different things and i'm still i'm still sort of working at it and and still trying to figure out uh the best ways to make it work um so prior to Song of Day, I had done some songwriting for hire. Uh, most notably, there was a show that used to be on uh, G4, uh, which itself is now defunct. Uh, G4 is like the, the video game channel, the cable video game channel. And um, there's a show called X-Play, where they uh, reviewed video games with Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb. And um, do you guys know that show? Yeah, I I watched it a little bit, but it's, I I'm I'm a little bit beyond. I mean, my my gaming age was like Donkey Kong. So yeah, yeah. I'm a yeah, little so, too old. So so it was a great show. It was one of the best shows on that channel. Um, and I was a big fan. And I sort of became involved with them. Uh, I actually was like an intern at G4 way back in like 2005. Um, but then sort of through a series of of incidents, I ended up writing a. a uh, a they did a musical episode of that show um akin to maybe like the musical episode of buffy or um or any of those other shows and so i ended up writing the music and the songs for that episode um so that was that was probably the most notable thing another thing that happened right before um song of day started was that airbnb uh which at that time was just two dudes in their apartment um in 2008 uh, I reached out to them online and, and we, we sort of got to know each other a little bit. And they had this weird promotion that they were doing that year where they were, it was right around the last election cycle. Uh, actually, uh, the, the, the other last election cycle, the McCain year, uh, 2008. So they had a thing where they were making boxes of cereal because they were like air bed and breakfast. So they had like the rooms and they, were, they had this like weird promotion with breakfast cereal um, Obama O's and Cat and McCain were like the two breakfast cereals and they made these really funny boxes and they like found like a wholesale cereal thing to like actually manufacture this. And so they hired me to make jingles for the cereals. Um, so that was like just another example of a weird odd job that I had gotten back in the day. Um, when Song of Day started and things went viral um, as as they sometimes do and sometimes did, um, I started getting, you know, just a, a commission here or there from companies online and otherwise uh, for custom songs for a variety of purposes. Um, and uh, to supplement that in 2010, 
my second year, well, throughout the first year and second year of Song of Day, I did a lot of online video contests. I would just enter like 12 contests in 12 days and I would win one or two of them. And that would be my income for the month because, you know, it'd be like $5,000 or, or whatever the, the prize. And that was, that was pretty good. Like you um, did the, you did the jingle for Bing, right? Yeah, I, did, I won the Bing jingle. That was like, <laughs> that was actually what in a very securitous way led to the Steve Jobs thing. Um, but, but lately uh, I've been doing this, you know, uh, I've been doing something which is, uh, in addition to all of this stuff that just sort of comes in in a sort of more quote unquote organic way, people just finding me or, uh, fans hiring me to do things. Um, I actually got written into a science grant this year. Uh, a fan of mine who has been a fan for a long time, studies algae at a, at, at his own lab in Stanford. He's like a, you know, uh, a PhD. He like has his own lab with a bunch of people that work for him. They study a specific kind of algae called Chlamydomonas Ryan Hardy, um, and they hired me to write songs that uh, highlight what they're doing and make some videos that that basically are like their public outreach stuff. So okay, yeah. I definitely want to see you write a song about that. They're 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 coming. I, they're really <laughs> exciting. I'm I'm super excited about about that. Um, but lately, you know, part of my problem has always been, um, you know it's one thing to sort of wait for the jobs come in and I, I haven't really had a method of, you know, basically going out and just uh, trying to find the work myself. So what I've been doing lately is, is just reaching out to companies. I'll, I'll just like with these jingles that we're listening to, you know, I'll, I'll write a jingle about a company that I hear about typically on podcasts. Um, and I'll send them the song and I'll, I'll let them know that, that I wrote it for them. And if they are, if they're into it, um, you know, I'm basically all this year, I've been working on a pay what you want, um, a pay what you want operation basically. And, um, I did, I did that essentially because, you know, as a freelancer, you're always having to negotiate your price and this is how much I charge and, you know, but this is how much they can afford. And it's always this sort of long, laborious process that we do this dance. Um, and I found actually, you know, that asking people to pay me what they think the song is worth based not on how much time they think it took me or or anything else other than basically what they actually just think it's worth, what how much they enjoy the song, how happy are they with it, and just sort of combine that with... Um, combine that with what they can afford, put those two things into a blender. And typically the number that has come out is I think what we would probably have ended up at if we had negotiated that, you know, it to death anyway. So um, I don't know if this would work for everybody, but for me, it, it's been pretty successful um, to sort of make a thing for somebody. And I'm, and I'm also, you know, part of the, part of the, thing that makes this work i think is because i can do it so quickly it's not a huge time investment investment for me um and so because i can do it so quickly there, I, I can offer it you know on spec and say here i made this for you here here's this thing that i'm doing this year pay what you want if you want to use it eh, you know let's figure it out and if not no worries um um you know and 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 here's you know here's the truth about and this is definitely a truth about any kind of art right it's it um and i'm of course i'm not just saying this because i can do it so quickly but um 
the amount of time that it takes an artist to create the thing that they make is not, you know, is not the, the, the measure of how much it's worth. Um, you know, we, we often pretty much the, one of the only ways we in the society know of how to judge someone's something's value, right. Is, is time. So it's like, how many things per hour should I pay you, you know, for this thing? Um, but when you're paying an artist, what you're really paying them for is their sort of unique vision or, um, the, all the many years that they've been working at their craft to get to the point where they can make something for you that you really enjoy and, and get some, get some joy and love out of, um, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the wisdom. I mean, you exactly. have so much experience, and that's true in almost I think almost any service based business is totally that people are buying the wisdom, the knowledge to know what works and what doesn't work, and to give them what they need. Yeah, so I'd and, encourage people to like you know to own that and to really put that forth as a like a you know the the real value proposition, basically. So is it going okay? I mean, you're taking is it? I mean, the business doing well for you this yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. So far, the, the this year has been really good. Um, it has been it has been really great, and you know, a lot of times, what's nice is that is that uh, you know, if I make a company, if I make a song for company X, they'll share it, and somebody else will see it, and something will come in that that direction too. Um, you know, now that I have a kid, like um, I've definitely been thinking about ways in which. Uh, I could supplement this sort of freelance income with something more steady, which I think is is a natural place to sort of go once you have once you once you have uh, more people depending on you. Um, and I haven't quite figured out what that is yet. Um, I've been I did a little bit of teaching this year. I uh, um, over the summer I did about a week and a half of teaching um, songwriting to uh, some teenagers in a in a summer camp. Uh, and that was really gratifying and super fun and really exhausting. Um, uh, you know, so, so that sort of wet my appetite a little bit for that. And, um, yeah, I've been thinking about doing some sort of Skillshare thing online where, where I could make a, a series of videos that lay out a lot of what we're talking about here in, in really specific detail, including like how to use the programs and things like that, how I use them to, to create. Um, and then, you know, charging like a small thing to, to get access to that. Um, oh, I should mention too I, I think that, that'd be an awesome service. Yeah. You think so? I, 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 I feel yeah, like, totally. I feel like a lot of people would, would get some value out of that. Um, one of the few like long tail video sets that I've made is, uh, in 2011, I made a series called how I write a song a day where I'm talking mostly about the process of songwriting, um, lyrics, ideas, chords um how to deal with writing a bad song that you don't like and all this sort of stuff and at the time it didn't do super well but it's had sort of a long tail that where now each of those videos has over a hundred thousand views um and you know people seem to be really responding to them so i feel like there there maybe is room in in the market as it were for for something even more in-depth and more specific um, and, and you've become very well known out there. I mean, I, I know Anderson Cooper has has had you on his show, and Rachel Maddow, and you know, obviously Steve Jobs. Yeah, uh, yeah, all of those definitely you, helped so. to. Yeah, those helped to to raise the profile for sure. Um, oh, I should mention too. You know, uh, you know, if you want to talk about workflow in terms of 
how to make a living online as an artist. I cannot recommend um, Patreon enough. I think Patreon is a is a really great resource. Uh, for those that don't know, Patreon is is sort of like an ongoing Kickstarter. You know, you you kick in a uh, dollar a month or, you know, $5 a month or whatever, and you can support uh, different artists just sort of doing what they're doing. Um, and often there are really great, uh, you know, backer-only rewards that you can get and stuff like that. The, the way that I work basically is, like, I write a, a blog post uh, about a different subject each week, and, like, that's, like, a, a backer-only thing. Um, and people get access to, early access to uh like albums that I'm putting together and stuff like that. So um, Patreon has been a big help too, in terms of just some kind of steady, reliable income. I think the next place I w- I'd like to go with the interview is talking about just kind of the nuts and bolts stuff that you do when you're not writing music, but you're managing this, this business and dealing with your, your, your level of celebrity and all the things that you have going on. I'm sure you've got some great ideas and software that you're using for that stuff as well. But before we do, I want to hear our last jingle. And this is another great one about my, my beloved OmniFocus. If you're disorganized like me, With a to-do list the size of Tennessee It can feel like you're drowning In a sea of responsibility You gotta get your thoughts out Make sense of all that noise Find a system you trust It better be everywhere It better be flexible That is OmniFocus That is OmniFocus Work-life balance is within your grasp With OmniFocus Projects and goals can be tamed at last With OmniFocus I I love it. I think it's going to be a ringtone. (laughs) Awesome. <laughs> and so you can learn more about OmniFocus. Head over to OmniGroup.com and they've got all their applications listed there for you and let them know you heard about it from us. Um, uh, Jonathan, you do have a certain degree of celebrity now. So I imagine you have a lot of email coming in and just a lot of other um, kind of uh, little taps on your shoulder during the day for your time as you're trying to still write a song a day. How do you deal with all that? Well, you know, I'll be totally honest. I actually don't, my, I would say my perceived level of celebrity is actually a lot higher than, than my actual day-to-day level. Um, so I'm, I, I am actually blessed at this point where I don't have a whole lot, um, vying for my attention and I don't actually have a, like a whole, a whole host of really specific things that I need to use on a day-to-day basis for managing time. Um, I will say that my wife and I have instituted a Kanban system um, in, in like our life, just in managing our home life and well in managing both of our work lives and our home home life. Um, And I can, I can detail that if that's, if that's interesting at all. Say say that again, a a Kanban system. Oh yeah. Kanban. So, um, I don't know what Kanban comes from or who made it or anything. Maybe someone out there probably does. Uh, Kanban with a K, K-A-N-B-A-N. Uh, it is, I think, something that came out of manufacturing uh, and was adopted by sort of um, 
agile development stuff, which is what my wife does. She's a front-end developer. So she sort of instituted this for us as a family. And basically, uh, practically what it looks like is uh, on our wall in our living room, we have a bunch of post-its. Um, and there's four categories. Um, to do, uh, in process, done, and blocked. Uh, and each week we start out by uh, putting, you know, she's her color is green and my color is purple uh, of the post-its. And we put all of our post-its up into the to-do section. Um, and this way she can see everything that I need to get done, uh, both home work, you know, stuff in the home uh, and also like work work. Uh, and I can see everything that she ne- needs to get done. Uh, then throughout the week, we put things into the in-process pile. Uh, so, you know, whatever it is that we're working on that day goes into the in-process pile. Uh, then it goes into done. If something is, you know, if there's something that relies on somebody else and and we're waiting for them to sort of come through, uh, if, you know... If I need, if I've sent an invoice and I'm waiting to hear back and, you know, my task is to, you know, get paid or deposit the check from whoever, that will go in the blocked section. Um, And I'll have, you know, and then that just sits there until I can resolve that thing. Uh, And then each week we just sort of start out from the beginning again. It's been really effective in terms of um, keeping us keeping the two of us really apprised as to what's going on with, with the other, which we, which we were really, really struggling with. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been such a, a savior in our lives for that. You know, if I tried to institute that at my house, I think my wife would come <laughs> after me with a pitchfork. <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's funny because I think, yeah, it's definitely not for everybody. Um, my wife is like a sort of, notoriously organized person and um you know i like when i took a picture of our kanban board and post on instagram like all of her friends were like yep that's juliana that's definitely something that she would do um uh and i am not a very organized person but i also i inherited from my mom this sort of like this this sense that I I'm not organized in my life, but like I, I like things being organized. It's weird. Um, so while I would never institute something like this myself, I am very receptive to it. So anyway, you know, I, definitely, I think it's great if it works though. I mean, it yeah. sounds like it's working. Yeah. If there's anyone out there that, that you think that it would work and your partner would be game. Like, I think that, I think that it's, it's, it's been a huge help for us. Um, you know, other little apps that I use, I use a, a free app online called invoiceninja.com uh, to do my invoicing. Um, and I used to be sort of notorious about like being late to send invoices or like it would always just slip my mind. The Kanban has definitely helped with that. Um, but also my mom, <laughs> this is sort of embarrassing, but my mom like, heard that I was, you know, late on invoicing things and she does all my dad's invoicing and all his books and stuff. Uh, so she's like, you know what, just whenever you have a job, just like text me all the details and I'll invoice them. 
And for some reason that's been working. <laughs> so, so now my mom is actually, uh, helping me with that, which has been, <laughs> I so, <love> it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's cool. And, um, you know, they've been really, both my parents are super supportive, so that's good. Um, yeah, that, the, and the, those are really the only two really specific, like work related things. Dropbox, you know, is one obviously that I couldn't do without. Um, I, I'm always sending direct Dropbox links to people for, uh, to get approval on, on something or just for people to check out, you know, the video or the song or whatever. Um, you know, something that comes to my mind, do you ever collaborate with other musicians on these projects or are they always just all of you? Yeah. Um, I, uh, at the beginning of, in January of, let's see, 2013, I think it was. Uh, 2013 or 2014 I can't remember now in January of that year I did a project where I actually um I do I I do and I have collaborated in the past but I actually did a specific project in that year where uh I invited fans um to uh collaborate with me one one fan a day for every day in that month of January um and I put up a spreadsheet a Google spreadsheet I invited people to sort of write themselves in to the 31 days um, with they need to tell me their name, their email, um, what instruments they played and what they wanted the song to be about. Um, And that was very, very, very exhausting, uh, but extremely rewarding. Uh, Every single day of that month, I, I collaborated with a different person. And one day it was like somebody was playing drums and sending me their drum track. And I was, uh, putting that in and doing the song or um, every day was just completely different. And I relied heavily on Dropbox for that. It was all Dropbox. I had a different folder for each person shared and we would just send stuff back, back and forth. Uh, and it was, it worked seamlessly. It was great. Um, and in fact, the last day of that month, I planned and executed a, I think it was, it ended up being 45, 47 people. 47 person collab on one song. Um, so I wrote the song with sort of the bare bones of the song and I recorded it uh, in logic, sent it to everybody, sent it to all 47 people, each person. Some people just sang, some people played bass, some people played violin, like everybody played a different part. And it fell to me to wrangle all of these parts and make them all into some greater whole. And it was really, really hard. Uh, but, but one of the things I'm more prouder of, of having done, it was really I, fun. Wow. That, that, and that, that put your Mac to the, to the limit. I'm it, sure. When it you actually, that yeah, it really did. I was like, I was, I remember I posted an Instagram of that too. I was like, I think I am reaching the limit of what my Mac can do. I have like, you know, over a hundred tracks at this point. It was crazy. Well, I, I don't know how you do it, Jonathan. We uh, all of us in the geek community are huge fans of yours and the song a day and just all the little things you do. I I hear you coming up all the time because I like a lot of the companies that you write jingles for. And suddenly I hear, you know, hey, they they hired Jonathan and they <laughs> you did something amazing. And I'm so happy that you're able to come on the show and, and share some of this with us. And I'd encourage anybody out there that's looking uh, to hire a songwriter that this is the guy you want to reach out and, and and Jonathan, where can people reach you? Yeah, you can just find me. Twitter is a great place to find me. Just song a day, man, two N's M A N N song a day, man, all one word. That's a great place to find me. 
And um and also you're on on Twitter as well, right? That's that's my Twitter and then uh YouTube, you can find me on YouTube at uh, uh this is unfortunate. It's The Rock Cookie Bottom is my YouTube name, which is one oh, of there's those... got to be a story there. Well, you know, it, this is like uh, if I was going to do my little <laughs> if I was going to do my little series of videos about um about, you know, how I've done what I how I do what I do and the really nitty-gritty one of the videos would be called don't be like me i suck at branding would basically be <laughs> like and it would be all of the lessons that i've learned about about how not to brand yourself online one of which is you know choose a name and stick with it so uh when i started song a day i was like repurposing a older blog that i had called rock cookie bottom which unfortunately there's not really any really even good story about it was just that at the my girlfriend at the time I was making a ton of cookies I was like cooking making cookies every other night and she said to me you know Jonathan one day you're going to hit the rock cookie bottom of this or whatever and I was like you know what that's a great name for a blog so I started a blog called rock cookie bottom about making cookies and uh I repurposed that blog what you know that had I had it was on Tumblr and I had a certain little following there so I started posting all of my um all my song a day songs there. And that was what my YouTube channel was called. And, and of course YouTube is one of those things that doesn't let you change your name once you have it. So instead of it being like Jonathan's song a day or song a day, anything it's the rock cookie bottom, unfortunately. Well, in fairness, you had no idea how big it was going to get. That's true. That's true. Also uh, in fairness, it doesn't take that long to set up a new account. No, yeah, it but he's got and, all the history. No, I mean at the beginning. I'm just saying that you're out there, and, and, yeah. and you know, and that's that's a very big lesson. You know, no matter no matter what you're doing, pick a name that you like and stick with it. Well, I, I think it's amazing that you know you're making a living making art, and it's just great. And uh, we all love what you do, and and thanks, thanks so, so much. much. Yeah for everything you contribute. I mean, you are very generous. I mean, even just like with the show, you took so much time. Uh, I think you've got the most guest prep of any workflow guest in the history of the show. You wrote four jingles for all of our sponsors. I <laughs> cool. mean, it's amazing. And, uh, and thank you so much. So everybody go, go out to Jonathan's website, check it out. And uh, like I said, if you need, if you've got a product, here's the guy you want to talk to. Yeah. And Thanks we'll have so links much. to his website and everything else in the show notes. Uh, which you can find on our website at relay.fm slash MPU. Uh, let's see, slash 273 uh, for this particular episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. The show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm Katie Floyd. Uh, he's Max Sparky. Um, and thanks again, Jonathan, for joining us. And we will see you all next time. Next time.